Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Empowering Precision Decisions, PD-1 Inhibitor-Based Therapies, and Biomarker Testing in Recurrent or Metastatic Head and Neck Squamous Cell Carcinoma. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Merck and Company Incorporated. Hello, my name is Trisha Wise Draper. I'm a professor of medicine at the University of Cincinnati Cancer Center. I'd like to welcome you to this program on PD-1 inhibitor-based therapies and biomarker testing in recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Let's start with the latest guideline recommended preferred approaches for first-line therapies in recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. When we are deciding which regimen we will be using, it's important that we do biomarker testing. For patients with recurrent, unresectable, or metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, where surgery and radiation are not an option, PDL1 biomarker testing should be done. Patients with a PDL1 positive CPS score of greater than or equal to 1 can either receive pembrolizumab plus platinum and 5-FU based chemotherapy or pembrolizumab monotherapy. Tumor mutational burden, or TMB, testing is important if CPS scores are not available, as well as for those with rare tumors. TMB testing of greater than or equal to 10 can be considered a favorable marker, and these patients may derive clinical benefit from PD-1 inhibitors. In those patients who have a negative CPS score, or CPS less than 1, either chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab is an option, or in certain circumstances, chemotherapy without immunotherapy, which will be discussed later. This does not change much for other cancer subtypes, but head and neck cancer also includes nasopharyngeal cancers, salivary gland cancers, other rare cancers, and those with oligometastatic disease. Although biomarker testing is not the basis for whether you can use immunotherapy up front in the first-line setting for nasopharyngeal cancer, it is important to have pdl one status or TMB status in order to decide if you can use pembrolizumab monotherapy. In oligometastatic disease, in some cases, you can use immunotherapy and radiation. So in summary, good biomarker testing practices can really help optimize the treatment selection. Next, we will review the efficacy data for first-line PD-1 inhibitor-based therapies. Let's review the efficacy data for PD-1 and PD-L1 inhibitor-based regimens in first-line recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma and the clinical implications of these data when considering optimal therapeutic approaches. Keynote 48 was a pivotal study that showed that pembrolizumab, when given as monotherapy compared to the previous first-line standard of care of cetuximab and chemotherapy, the extreme regimen, prolonged median overall survival when CPS was greater than or equal to 1, while chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab improved PFS and OS regardless of pdl one score. Overall response rate, however, was a little bit lower for those with pembrolizumab monotherapy, unsurprisingly, than chemotherapy and cetuximab. So after a four-year follow-up, pembrolizumab alone and pembrolizumab plus chemotherapy compared to the extreme regimen demonstrated a durable survival benefit and substantially longer duration of response. When pembrolizumab and chemotherapy were given together compared to cetuximab and chemotherapy, again, overall survival was prolonged, and in addition, there was a higher overall response rate. 
Also, in all studied populations, PFS rates at both 24 and 48 months were, where available, numerically higher for pembrolizumab alone and pembrolizumab plus chemotherapy when compared to cetuximab plus chemotherapy. Interestingly, the median PFS was higher with cetuximab and chemotherapy versus pembro alone. We also have data from a smaller study evaluating nivolumab as first-line treatment in recurrent and metastatic head and neck cancer. The two-year results show that the improvement in overall survival versus cetuximab plus chemotherapy was maintained. However, there was not significant improvement in progression-free survival compared to chemotherapy and cetuximab. There was also a numerical improvement in overall response rate, although, again, the numbers in the study were small. In Checkmate 651, when nivolumab plus ipilimumab was compared to the extreme regimen, although it did not meet its primary endpoint of improved overall survival, there was an increase in median duration of response. Dual checkpoint inhibition did show some evidence of clinical benefit with a prolonged overall survival and durable response in both CPS-positive populations. It's important to know that patients with platinum refractory head and neck squamous cell carcinoma were not included in the extreme trial prior, so this is a slightly different population. When nivolumab was compared head-to-head to nivolumab plus ipilimumab in Checkmate 714, although it was a small sample size, Nevo plus Ipi did not improve overall response rate, PFS, or overall survival compared to Nevo alone and those with platinum-eligible disease, regardless of pdl one subgroups. In summary, for those with CPS of greater than or equal to 1, efficacy data supports the change from the extreme regimen to chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab or pembrolizumab alone. However, that is not the case for Nevo or Ipi or Nevo plus Ipi, but Nevo plus Ipi in certain cases may be beneficial to improve durable response. Now that we've reviewed the efficacy data, let's understand the safety implications of available treatment options. Immunotherapy is very different from chemotherapy in that the side effects are often autoimmune-related. Importantly, they can also be less common and are typically less severe. While less toxic than standard chemotherapy, anti-PD-1 and PDL one therapies can affect any organ system and can occur at any time during treatment. It's very important that these events are recognized early. The most common adverse events that you will see with either PD-1 or PDL one checkpoint inhibitors is fatigue, hypothyroidism, or other thyroid dysfunctions such as thyroiditis, nausea, pruritus, and rash. Additional management considerations are potential bleeding or carotid artery rupture, as there has been some evidence that immunotherapy could increase bleeding risk. We also should consider those that may have airway compromise due to tumor bulk or facial edema, as immunotherapy may cause swelling, which could make these symptoms worse. When you review multiple trials across the spectrum when giving immunotherapy, whether it be pembrolizumab, nivolumab, or dual checkpoint inhibition, the grade 3 to 5 events are much less than those that receive chemotherapy alone or combined with immunotherapy. When considering the timing of immune-related adverse events, rash, pruritus, and diarrhea tend to happen early, whereas myocarditis, rare neurologic syndromes, and some of the other serious events often happen later, even after therapy is discontinued, so early recognition is key. For those that only have grade 1 events, you can usually continue immunotherapy. However, for some events, neurologic, hematologic, or cardiac toxicities, you will want to stop therapy as these can escalate quickly. For grade 2 events, often you can just stop the immunotherapy and closely monitor these patients. In some situations, you might want to consider oral steroids. 
For grade three events, you should continue further workup, whether that be admitting the patient or sending them to specialists to diagnose the autoimmune event, and also starting to administer steroids. Sometimes it's required that you give IV steroids, but sometimes oral is enough. The one exception to the rules above are those that develop endocrinopathies. Here, you should continue immunotherapy and begin hormone replacement rather than steroids. For example, those with hypothyroidism need levothyroxine for management and then thyroid function test. Patients that have bulky disease or organ compromise should have treatment discontinued. In conclusion, immunotherapies are generally well tolerated. However, there are always risks and benefits. We will discuss how we can tailor our treatment decisions in the next session. The choice of therapy for recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma depends on multiple factors. There is the location of the disease. In other words, do they have airway compromise and are at risk for further complications? There's the aggressiveness of the disease. Do you need to add chemotherapy right away because immunotherapy can take some time to be effective? Those that may have poor performance status may not be able to receive chemotherapy as well. And then, of course, there are your treatment goals. Are you going for curative or palliative intent or symptom control? And quality of life has to be considered. Those with recurrent and metastatic disease in most cases need palliative care. But those that have oligometastatic disease could still be considered curative. Comorbidity should also be considered. Do they have underlying autoimmune disease, for example? How do you decide between pembrolizumab monotherapy or pembrolizumab and chemotherapy? Most of us will decide to use pembrolizumab monotherapy if either the PDL1 score or the TMB is high, or if they have low volume disease. However, if the patient has a CPS score of 1 to 20, then sometimes those patients may be more appropriate for pembrolizumab and chemotherapy, especially if they have bulky disease and you need to get a response right away and they are symptomatic. For those that have other types of cancer, such as nasopharyngeal cancer, or salivary, or rare cancers, I would say some of the same principles apply. If they have bulky disease, it's important to get chemotherapy right away. Those with salivary gland and rare head and neck cancers often don't actually respond to routine chemotherapy, so immunotherapy is preferred in pdl one positive disease. For those that are receiving pembrolizumab and chemotherapy, the 5-FU may be switched to paclitaxel. For those that have transportation issues, it may be easier to give. However, those that have a lot of neuropathy may not be appropriate for paclitaxel. Though there have been recent data that suggests that PD-1 and PD-L1 inhibitors may be better for HV-negative patients, HV status at this time should not influence the anti-PD-1 or anti-PD-L1 choice. So as recognized, it's important to consider a range of patient and disease-related factors before making a treatment decision. In our final session, I will share some patient-centered strategies to enhance long-term survivorship and recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. In this final session, we will consider some practical methods that we can implement to enhance long-term survivorship in recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Location and tumor aggressiveness should absolutely be taken into consideration. A fast-growing tumor may cause pain, which requires adding chemotherapy at the expense of more side effects. In certain patients, surgery or radiation or certain sites can enhance outcomes or palliate pain. The key is personalizing a treatment plan based on medical history, tumor characteristics, and overall health to optimize the chances of a positive outcome. Beyond medical intervention, these strategies encompass holistic support addressing the emotional, psychological, and social aspects of care through services like counseling and support groups, proactive management of treatment side effects, patient education to make informed decisions, 
and consistent follow-up care further enhance survival rates and improve the overall quality of life for individuals navigating the challenges of head and neck cancer with immunotherapies. One of the most important factors when we're discussing treatment choices with patients is making sure that we're using shared decision-making. It's really important to understand patient goals and preferences and discuss the treatment options, both the efficacy and the side effects, and help patients weigh those risks and benefits. Patients may have different opinions on which side effects they're willing to withstand. My approach is, how can I give them the best response for the longest amount of time without affecting their quality of life? The other critical factor is that we consider multidisciplinary care in head and neck cancer patients. Yes, by the time they can become recurrent and metastatic, they often are under the purview of medical oncology, but radiation and surgery can be used in certain situations. In addition, our other factors, our staff that work with us, the speech-language pathologist expertise, dietitian, our nursing navigators, and our social workers can help figure out with patients what is important for them. How do we improve their quality of life? Is it time to involve palliative care, which I would argue should be done very early in this disease? What is needed for each patient and how do we make their decision easier on them? Therefore, working as a team together to decide the best care for the patient, as well as what's important to them, is very relevant in this patient population. So in conclusion, immunotherapy, specifically pembrolizumab, with or without chemotherapy, has emerged as first-line treatment for recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma and is now preferred over extreme depending on their pdl one score. However, the decision of whether we use immunotherapy, chemotherapy, or a combined approach needs to be made on a case-by-case basis. You need the pdl one or TMB biomarker testing results in any patient that has recurrent and metastatic disease or even the full genomic testing results for other possible mutations so that patients may benefit from targeted therapy in the future. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.